0: section nineteen of stories from le mort d'artour and the Mabinogion, retold by beatrice clay this librivox recording is in the public domain book five sir geraint chapter nineteen the adventures of geraint it befell of Whit Sunday that Arthur was holding his horde at Carleon when word was brought to him of a splendid white stag that ranged the forest of Dean, and forthwith the king proclaimed a hunt for the morrow. So with the dawn there was much trampling of hoofs and baying of hounds, and all the knights got the horse. But Queen Geneviere herself thought she had said she would ride with the hunt, slept late, and when she called her maidens to her, it was broad day. Then with much haste she arrayed herself, and taking some of her ladies with her, rode to a little rising ground in the forest, near which she well knew the hunt must pass." Presently, as she waited, there came riding by the gallant knight Geraint of Devon. He was arrayed neither for the chase nor for the fight, but wore a surcoat of white satin, and about him a loose scarf of purple with a golden apple at each corner. And when the queen had answered his salutation, he said, How is it, prince, that ye be not ridden with the hunters? Madam, answered he, with shame I say it, I slept too late smiling the queen said there are we both in the same case for i also aroused too late but tarry with me and soon ye will hear the baying of the hoons for often i have known them break covered here then as they waited on the little woodland knoll there came riding past a knight full armed a lady with him and behind them a dwarf misshapen and evil-looking and they passed without word or salutation to the queen then said janvier to geraint "'Prince, know ye yonder knight?' "'Nay, madam,' said he, "'his arms I knew not, and his face I might not see.' Thereupon the queen turned to her attendant, and said, "Ride after them quickly, and ask the dwarf his master's name.' So the maiden did as she was bidden. but when she inquired of the dwarf, he answered her roughly, "'I will not tell thee my master's name.' "'Since thou art so churlish,' said she, "'I will even ask him himself.' That thou shall not, he cried, and struck her across the face with his whip. So the maiden, alarmed and angered, rode back to the queen, and told her all that had happened. Madam, cried Geraint, the churl was wronged your maiden, and insulted your person. I pray you suffer me to do your errand myself. With a word he put spurs to his horse, and rode after the three. And when he had come up with the dwarf, he asked the knight's name, as the maiden had done, and the dwarf answered him as he had answered the queen's lady. "'I will speak with thy master himself,' said Geraint. "'Thou shalt not by my fate,' said the dwarf. "'Thou art not honourable enough to speak with my lord.' "'I have spoken with men of his good rank as he,' answered Geraint, "'and would have turned his horse's head, that he might ride after the knight.' But the dwarf struck him across the face such a blow that the blood spurted forth over his purple scarf. Then, in his wrath, Geraint clapped hand to sword and would have slain the churl, but that he bethought him how powerless were such a misshapen thing. So, refraining himself, he rode back to the queen and said, Madam, for the time, the knight has escaped me but with your leave I will ride after him, and require of him satisfaction for the wrong done to yourself and to your maiden. It must be that I shall come presently to a town where I may obtain armor. Farewell, if I live, you shall have tidings of me by next even. Farewell, said the queen, I shall ever hold your good service and remembrance. So Geraint rode forth on his quest and followed the road to the Forth of the Usk, where he crossed, and then went on his way until he came to a town at the further end of which rose a mighty castle. And as he entered the town, he saw the knight and the lady, and how as they rode through the streets from every window, the folk craned their necks to see them pass, until they entered the castle and the gate fell behind them then was Geraint satisfied that they would not pass thence that night and turned him about to see where he could obtain the use of arms that the next day he might call the knight to account now it seemed that the whole town wasn't ferment. In every house men were busy polishing shields, sharpening swords and washing armor, and scarce could they find time to answer questions put to them. So at last, finding nowhere in the town to rest, Geraint rode in the direction of a ruined palace which stood a little apart from the town and was reached by a marble bridge spanning in a deep ravine seated on the bridge was an old man hoary-headed and clothed in the tattered remains of what had once been a splendid attire who gave geraint curtis greeting sir said geraint i pray you know ye where i may find shelter for this night come with me said the old man and you shall have the best my old holes afford so saying he led geraint into a great stone-paved courtyard surrounded by buildings once strong fortifications but then have burned and ruinous there he bade geraint dismount and led the way into an upper chamber where sat an aged dame and with her a maiden the fairest that ever geraint had looked upon for all that her attire was but a faded robe and veil then the old man spoke to the maiden saying in it Take the good knight's charger to a stall, and give him corn, then go to the town, and buy us provision for a feast to-night. Now it pleased not Gerain that the maiden should thus do him service, but when he made to accompany her, the old man, her father, stayed him, and kept him in converse, until presently she was returned from the town, and had made all ready for the evening meal." then they set them down to supper the old man and his wife with geraint between them and the fair maid in it waited upon them though it irked the prince to see her do such menial service so as they ate they talked and presently geraint asked of the cause why the palace was all in ruins Sir Knight, said the old man, I am Wyniel, and once I was lord of a broad earldom. But my nephew, whose guardian I had been, made war upon me, affirming that I had withheld from him his dues. And being the stronger he prevailed, and seized my lands, and burned my hills, even as ye see. For the townsfolk hold with him, because that with his tournaments and feastings he brings many strangers their way. What then is all the stir in the town even now? Ask Geraint. To morrow, said the earl, they hold the tournament of the sparrow hawk. In the midst of the meadow are set up two forks, and on the forks a silver rod, and on the rod the form of a sparrow hawk. Three years has it been won by the stout knight Edern, and if he win it to morrow, it shall be his for a and he himself known as the sparrow hawk tell me cried geraint is that the knight that rode this day with a lady and a dwarf to the castle hard by the same said Weinel, and a bold knight he is then geraint told them of the insult offered that morning to the queen genevier and her maiden and how he had ridden forth to obtain satisfaction and now i pray you said geraint help me to come by some arms and in to-morrow's lists i will call this sparrow hawk to account arms have i answered the earl old and rusty indeed but yet at your service but sir knight ye may not appear in to-morrow's tournament for none may contend unless he bring with him a lady in whose honour he jousts then cried geraint lord earl suffer me to lay a lance rest in honour of the fair maiden your daughter and if i fall to-morrow no harm shall have been done to her and if i win i will love her my life long and make her my true wife now in it her service ended had left them to their talk but the earl rejoicing that so noble a knight should seek his daughter's love promised that with the maiden's consent all should be as the prince desired so they retired to rest that night and the next day dawn geraint arose and donning the rusty old armour lent to him by earl Winel, rode to the lists and there amongst the humbler sort of all lookers, he found the old earl and his wife and with them their fair daughter then the heralds blew their trumpets and edward bade his lady-love take the sparrow-hawk her due as fairest of the fair forbear cried geraint there is one fairer and nobler for whom i claim the prize of the tournament do battle for it then cried Etern. so the two took their lances and rushed upon one another with a crash like thunder and each broke his spear thus they encountered once again but at the last rain bore down upon Etern with such a force that he carried him from his horse settle and all then he dismounted and the two rushed upon each other with their swords Long they fought, the sparks flying, and their breath coming hard till exerting all his strength. Geraint dealed the other such a blow as cleft his helmet and bit to the bone. Then Etern flung away his sword, and yielded him, Thou shalt have thy life, said Geraint, upon condition that forwith thou goest to Arthur's court, there to deliver thyself to our queen, and make such atonement as shall be adjudged thee, for the insult offered ye western mourn i will do so answered erdin and when his wounds had been dressed he got heavily to horse and rode forth to carlion then the young earl winel's nephew adjudged the sparrow hog to geraint as victor in the tourney and prayed him to come to his castle to rest and feast but geraint declining courteously said that it behoved them to go there where he rested the night before Where may that have been? asked the Earl. For though ye come not to my castle yet, would I see that ye fare as befits your valour. I rested even with Winel. Your uncle said Geraint. The young Earl mused a while, and then he said, "I will seek you then in my uncle's halls and bring with me the means to furnish forth a feast." And so it was, scarcely had Prince Geraint returned to the ruined hall, and bathed and rested him after his labours, when the young earl arrived, and with him forty of his followers bearing all manner of stores and plenishings, and that same hour the young earl accorded with Wynel his uncle, restoring to him the lands of which he had deprived him, and pledging his word to build up again the ruined palace. When they had gone to the banquet, then came to them Enid, attired in beautiful raiment, and her rank, and the old earl led her to Gerain, saying, Prince, here is the maiden for whom you fought, and freely I bestow her upon you. So Gerain took her hand before them all and said, She shall ride with me to Carleon, and there I will wed her before Arthur's escort. Then to Enid he said, gentle maiden bear with me when i pray you don the faded robe and veil in which first i saw you and in it who was ever gentle and meek deed as he desired and that evening they rode to carlion so when they drew near the king's palace word was brought to janvier of her approach then the queen went forth to greet the good knight and when she had heard all his story she kissed the maiden and leading her into her own chamber arrayed her right royally for her marriage with the prince and that evening they were wed amidst great rejoicings in the presence of all the knights and ladies of the court the king himself giving in it to her husband many happy days they spend at carlion rejoicing in the love of good-will of arthur and his queen end of section nineteen read by anna Nomoska.